Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to episode 20 of the Urban Homestead in UK podcast. Hello, Mike, how are you doing? <laughs> All right. 20! Episode 20. 20, mate. <laughs> this is my friend Mike and I'm Alan. That's bonkers, though, isn't it? 20. <laughs> 20. Me and you talking drivel. Still well, people are people tuning still listening. in, mate. Loving it. People are still listening. The numbers going yeah. up again in a minute. So yeah, they are going up. Yeah, they are going. It's really good. So uh, yeah, so thank you for listening and thank you for tuning into what we have got to say. So um, how you been, mate? You good? I am all right. It's been um, it's been it's I can't hardly say it. I'm looking out now on a sunny day. It has not stopped bloody raining, mate. Yeah. Has it for how long? And it has been freezing cold. Yeah. Um and. I think that most people, certainly in the southern half of the UK, know now that finally we're getting some heat. Um, literally, to... literally today, you yeah. know, raining. You know, we're still getting the odd shower, but today and now going on, we've got this big area of high pressure, which hopefully will give everything that much needed boost. Because I don't know about you, but a lot of the things, even in my greenhouse, have just it's been like they're, they're just static. They've not grown, no. but no, they're just dormant. They're just they've not moved a muscle. You know, my tomatoes and my chilies and all of that, they're, they're in my greenhouse, which is, um, you know, supposedly a better growing conditions, but they've just not done anything because there's not been that heat. I think it's the warmth. It's been really starting to get me down, I've got to say, because I always look forward to the warm weather. And a day when you go out in the garden with just your T-shirt on, not worry about being cold or anything like that. I've got some trousers on, bro. Oh, wait. Not always, mate. Not always. Got high fences <laughs> where you live, obviously. What? High fences and low nettles. Yeah, that's it. You got it. <laughs> We're not having to worry about a jumper. It's so nice to yeah, get in the yeah. garden. And that, those days are the, they're the ones that you remember, aren't they? You really enjoy. I, I just I love I, I love that combination of sunshine and showers. But what we've had is showers and then cloud. Yeah. And and I like I, I love spring because you can just see everything you know shooting up and growing. And and we've had a little bit of it. You know, we had quite an, a nice couple of weeks, didn't we? There. Um, but May has been a washout, man. Proper washout, and it's so bizarre because. It just seems to be, there's no pattern to it over the last few years. You know, as you start growing vegetables or getting involved in working outside, you do become more aware of the seasonal aspects of things. Mm. And, and then yearly, you know, you go back and I go back and I look on my phone and I can mm. see, oh, my, my tomatoes were way bigger than this this time last year. Or I was planting courgettes out this time. And now I'm looking and I'm like, oh, man, it's only four or five inches big, you know, what's mm. happening? So I'd be expecting to harvest tomato, my first tomato in about a month, yeah. normally, last mm. few years. Last day of June, typically, you know, around about then, I'd be expecting that. You're going to get near that? I can't see it. No. My tomato plants are about a foot tall. They've got flour on them, though. Yeah, so, they, you know, yeah. maybe. We'll see. But well, you kindly gave me some, which will really help me out, because, like I say, you know, whether they're the ones that you sowed very early and then used your your, um, your heated greenhouse they to bring are. on, yeah, that's going to make a big difference, because now they're ready, and now we have got the sunshine. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, that might offer a little bit of continuity for me with the ones that I've got, if they come, but... I have had crops in the past which they never recover from it. No. I think of the beetroot last yeah, year that yeah. I sat watching for yeah. like eight months waiting for it to actually do something and it was just like, nope, I'm, yeah. just, I'm here. You know, you, salad leaf or nothing. You, yeah. That's, yeah. And sometimes they just don't thrive, do they? No. Failure to thrive, whatever it is. So. Yeah, talk, talk a little bit about the last of that. To, you know, cutting your losses, fun no when to cut your losses. Sometimes, stop, start again. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes that might be, do you know what? I'm going to have to buy a couple of tomatoes in pots and bring them on for the sake of a couple of quid. Well, I was lucky, wasn't I? I posted out there on the Facebook that, you know, everything got, you know, I had that one day of heat where everything got fried in my greenhouse and then I had to re-sow my leeks. Mm. Um, And they have come up, those leeks, but of course they're like matchstick height now and they're like blades of grass. Yeah. 
And if I didn't have the other opportunity, I probably would keep going with those. Yeah. But I had someone locally who was selling you know, surplus on their gate and I, I just thought, you know, for two quid and yeah. I can get all the leaks I'm going to need all year. It's worth taking it, you know, yeah. isn't it? And and it set me up to keep going with something yeah. which I do like growing, which I do like growing leaks. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite happy about that and, and I'm quite happy that um, sometimes you have to, like you say, bite the bullet and when you need to make a change, do it. Um, and whether that then means you might need to put your hand in your pocket to buy or beg or borrow or barter, you know, from other people seedlings or you know small starter plants i think that's quite a valuable thing to get your head around i think it's really important i think if you've got other people around you doing it so often you'll find off i put a little stall at the front of my house with the surface yeah. plants and i've you know asked for a little bit of money towards the cost of the the pot and the compost and yeah. the seed and everything um and, and actually i found in the last couple of years that's helped me to pay for my seeds yeah brilliant um, so that's one way of dealing with that um and also but also if you know other people doing it you know chances are I've had loads of people say to me oh, I struggle with my tomato plants mm. Mm. bottom line is I always sow more than I need yeah. I always do so I'll be you know, distributing and then hopefully it's you know. reciprocal that you know yeah. if you've got excess of something or surplus of something you can pass them on as well because yeah. like we have spoken about everyone has successes and failures in a year don't they yeah. you know but yeah. but that's the weather but the dwarf beans are up mate oh good yeah and I did so. I've got enough room to put in one TP at home of 12 climbing beans and I'm putting them in. I very nearly missed the boat with the Oregon sugar pod peas um, because I think I had some rodent damage in the greenhouse uh-huh. like we were talking about last yeah. week, we talking about pests. Yeah. And then I think I had some that got fried, so yeah. then I had these kind of two lots. Um, and then you gave me some, and yeah. they got eight on in one day. They got eight by sparrows. <laughs> so that was the eight plants you gave gave me. Got yeah. eight, you know. Yeah. But I had done some su- some subsequent sowings after the first lot got fried, and they've germinated now. So I've put them in. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about um, covering them and stuff like that later on. Yeah, um, but they're in, and then I've direct sown some straight to ground as well. Yeah. So they have gonna, they're going to go in. But one thing which I have had a, a problem with was my cucumbers this year. Yeah. And they normally take up a third of one of those three beds. And so I'm just not doing them this year. I've just decided to bite the bullet with that. And I'll just buy cucumbers and I'm going to put climbing beans in instead of those. Because okay. I've got them. Yeah. And I'll get a good return off that yeah. space. Yeah. Which is, you know, a metre by a metre. I can put a good big teepee in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll get some beans off that. Yeah. Enough for us at home. And, you know, yeah. I'll do some successional sowings of those as well. So it is... Everything is starting to move along and come along, and um, some things that I had to re-sow have come on really well. So yeah. I'm pleased about that. You know, I've got chard to come out now, and lettuces are in and growing really well. Yeah, I've got spring onions in, and they're doing okay. My potatoes are up and doing yeah. all right. You know, probably need nearly need their first earthing up nearly. Yeah. Um, the sweet corn's ready to transplant. You know, I've started those off in pots and, you know, I was te- chat- texting you last night or this mm. morning to see whether you thought it would be all right. But given the weather we've had today and the prospects going on, yeah, they're ready right. to go out now. Yeah, they're ready to yeah, go yeah, out. Well, all right with that now. That's, yeah. And, and certainly it's, it's now it's warming up. The opportunity to get out and do some stuff like that is really, you know, I think looking at my tomatoes now, I'm thinking, right, get on with it. Going to get them out in the yeah. garden now. I've got some hardening off yeah. in the garden, yeah. so they'll be the first ones to go. And I've got some slightly smaller ones, sort of yeah. later sowings that are going to go. I don't feel like I've had that. Normally, my greenhouse is like ramoed and I'm, I'm yeah. struggling for space. Right. I've not had that this year. No. No. And I think that what it is is that I've been far more judicious about how much I sow 
Yeah. So I haven't done 40 odd tomatoes and a load of courgettes and a load of this and that. Yeah. Um, because no, no, knowing how it went last year, I think the things that I'm going to try and grow. So I, my peppers are looking really good. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to use my greenhouse for those and the tomatoes and the chilies. Mm. And, and I'm kind of more balanced, I think, rather than growing mm-hmm. a lot of other things. So a lot of my work in the last couple of weeks has been about greenhouse management mm. and about trying to make sure that I've got space for the things that need to be in the greenhouse when they need to be in the greenhouse. Yeah. Um, and with it being as cold as it's been, that's obviously gone on a bit longer than it might have done in previous years. Um, and so I've got you know things that need to go out in the garden. I've had to try and get out. So I've had my second sowing of well, yeah, second sowing of um, sugar pod peas in the greenhouse at least have now been planted out and netted round to make sure they're protected. Uh, and then it's been about trying to get make sure I'm sort of moving stuff around the greenhouses so they're in the right places. Yeah. So I've taken the, the the heat now is only overnight, and I'll probably turn that off this weekend as well. So that the both greenhouses will then be unheated. Uh, so then it's not just hard harden off those warmer crops. Yeah. It's also been about succession sowing. Yeah. I think that's really important and, and potting on things that started to get a bit pot bound or starting to get a bit, you know, running out of nutrients in the pots. So perhaps yeah, that's something, yeah, because that's important. I think it's know. really important that people know about how to do that and that they're doing that. Um, and then it's just been trying to make sure that I've got enough of everything. So I've lost a few bits to slug damage in, in the greenhouse, for example. Right. So you know, again, sowing a few more in the place yeah. and, and, and doing a bit, a little bit of pricking out where I, I sort of sow two and two or three in a, in a module. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, normally I discard the waste one, you know, the, the excess ones and the weaker ones. But sometimes you can move them on. Well, I've been, I've been moving them on as well. Yeah. Yeah. So try and make sure I fill the gaps and well, keep on top of that. So. And, and things evolve, don't they? Because you, you had some cabbages and I was kind of rethinking about what I wanted to do in the little beds I had at home. And I was like, Six weeks ago, I was like, I'm not growing any brassicas at home because I just get bad. Mm. And then I covered those. Uh, well, we can talk about that in a minute, but you know, I managed to get some protection first. And I thought, well, do you know what? Cabbages actually could work in my beds at mm. home because I'm there. And maybe some summer cabbages, which I don't normally grow anyway. You had some nice ones over. And I thought, well, no, I'm going to put them in. So I've actually got a bed of carrots and cabbages, which I would not have normally had at okay. the front. Yeah. But... Like, that's what we eat. Yeah. So I'm growing those. It you makes know. sense to grow that. Yeah, it really does. And <laughs> and I was looking at you know the the space that I've got and you know one of those beds which are about three by one say they're a bit bigger than that but you know I've got five or six rows of carrots in there and I've got I don't know I think I planted twelve cabbages right or maybe fifteen or something like that. That's quite a lot of food, actually, mm-hmm. you know. And the thing is that when I get the carrots up, I'll probably dig them up row by row. Yeah. And then I'll have something to go in there. Yeah. Because those first carrots could be out end of July, yeah. maybe. You know, they'll be small, but yeah. once I've thinned them out and grown them on, they could be end of July, August. But if I've got something to put straight in there after that, yeah. that will be okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in my head, I'm thinking the ideal thing would actually be to have winter cabbage ready yeah. to go in there. Yeah. Um, and then just move the crop covers across, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it might be that my chard goes in there and do a whole bed of chard or yeah. kale or whatever. Yeah. Um, or maybe, you know, get those dwarf beans that will go on for that last little bit if I could get them up and ready to go in by the time I'm pulling those carrots out. That'd be all right. Yeah, I sowed a load of dwarf beans. Because I was looking at my garlic bed that I've done. One of them's come all right. And the other yeah. one is... You said one was terrible, didn't you? Uh, yeah, to the point that I've got maybe half a dozen plants in there and I'm probably going to oink them out and put them in next to the other yeah, do ones it. that are working and then, then re, you know, salvage yeah. that bed for something else well, this year. Dwarf beans, I mean, they've got to be one of the most productive crops yeah. per foot of space yeah. going, haven't they? Yeah. 
Um, I'm very interested to see what my returns will be like in these Tesco crates that I'm yeah. using, these green crates. Yeah. So for people who, I don't think I've ever put a picture of it, but around my carport I've got these green crates. So now they took a while to fill because mm. I filled them with well-rotted manure and a bit of potting compost last year and then yeah. I covered them over to let them yeah. kind of get established and, and, I'm, and I want to see how they go this yeah. year and when I've tried to grow things in them previously it became quite unmanageable we grew pumpkins in them one year but mm. it, it just became a nightmare to manage yeah. so I wanted something compact and that would just sit there and then you could go out and harvest yeah. with good drainage yeah. and I thought you know what that could work yeah. with dwarf French beans definitely you, I reckon I'd get raise it off the ground slightly they're, they're all so, pallets mate yeah there you go I think I'll get five in each one. They're not that big. They're 17 yeah, by 20 yeah, or something like that. Five, maybe six, yeah. but I've got 10. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. 60 dwarf beans is a lot of dwarf beans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It is. I have sowed carrots in some to see if they'll come good. But, um, I've done some ours in them before. Watch yeah, well. oh, have you? Oh, yeah, 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 so they really, should be okay, shouldn't they? Well. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of, um, with regards to growing, that's really it. Um, but the other thing is that, and I don't normally grow flowers at all, yeah. but I did want to grow some flowers this year. So I've done marigolds this year from the from the ones that I've saved, and I've saved yeah. over year over year. I've got sweet peas going in as well, yeah. which I really like. And then one of my favourite flowers is scabious, but I, ne- I never seem to be able to grow it successfully. No, okay. <laughs> Probably one of the easiest flowers. No. I just bought a packet of those, and I bought a packet of nicotiana, and they're, okay. both, they're all going really well. And they're all from seed. Yeah. So I've done really well with those, and they're all up, um, and they're ready to go out now. Now yeah. they're they're in the greenhouse, but they are they're getting big now, so they need to go out. And for some for someone like me, as well as having the the vegetables and the kind of um, you know food production on the go, every now and then it is nice. I know that you're much more of a plantsman than I am, but I just like interspersed around the garden those beds where there is flowers, you know. Because yeah. well, I, I put a video up on the Facebook, you put a picture up on was it Instagram for your picture up of your front garden? Those three beds that I've yeah, got, yeah, love a picture. Yeah, I mean that is literally in yeah. what used to be a drive. That used to yeah, be my yeah, drive, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it had eight inches of soil and, and you know stuff put down over what eventually was a hardcore, and then yeah. we turfed it, and then that two last year for COVID, yeah. I built the raised beds and put them straight on. Yeah, so yeah. anybody can do that. Yeah. Um, and you know we've got children at home and pets and things like that so I can't give that whole front garden over or the back but it it just showed how productive you can get in a very small space so there are three beds there now just behind that is my greenhouse and now the new quail house and and the little micro work shed of dreams gets in there Um, and then dotted around there were a few pots and then I've got not similar growing space out the back but maybe one more of those beds and then a lot more pots all my herbs are out the back on the little patio Um, and they're just growing in pots and things like that but there's more than I can eat there's more herbs than I don't I don't buy herbs ever or whatever whatever. Um, maybe basil is the only one that sometimes I can't keep up with but other than that you know, we, we tickle on quite nicely with those things and then we dry them and stuff like that. So I think herbs could be a whole next, do, do yeah, for, for a whole episode, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, I know we've spoke about doing it, you know, as a way of getting started, but it'd be nice to do it as a way of doing things properly in a way, you know. I, I also think you can grow herbs mm. and that's great. And anyone can grow herbs because you can go and buy them growing from the supermarket yeah. next for pennies, literally yeah. pennies. And, and so you can grow them easy, but... Know what to do with them yeah. as well as another thing. Oh, I totally that's, agree. I think that's perhaps a, it is a, a conversation. Yeah. We can and do not a whole just lot. in terms of edible, but oh also no, medicinal and all that. Medicinal so, yeah. and cosmetic yeah. and all of that yeah. stuff. Very much so. Well. 
I also put a video up on on the Facebook group at the weekend about of my my two greenhouses, mm. um, sort of two separate videos. And and on the second one, I made a point really of, of you know, you, you go around the outside and you know, I've got my little wildlife pond and the chickens and everything else. But mm. I do like the ornamentals in the garden. But interspersed in that, there's my crab apple tree mm. and black currant bushes and everything else. So it's whilst it is about being ornamental and being a nice space to sit, there it is also producing in a small way. I've got a couple of rhubarb plants in my garden. Just in random Just spots. about to talk about rhubarb, oh, man. Oh, Tell um, me about rhubarb. I've been eating rhubarb. And it's lovely to have that first harvest of something. Is it? that the first thing you harvest this year? Um, salad. Yeah. But rhubarb is definitely the first, you know, substantial harvest yeah. I've had. Yeah. And I just love rhubarb crumble, man. Me and Carl are yeah. down on that. No, me and Carl's missus are down on that. Yeah, she yeah, loves yeah. rhubarb crumble for breakfast, apparently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I do love rhubarb. And um, it's been lovely to get that. And one, that's one of the things that I'm hoping that in the new allotment, will survive and carry over because there was one or two established they were a bit lost and a bit yeah. neglected so um, I know I didn't get a lot of them this year but I've got one plant here where we work where I've got rhubarb from already a couple yeah. of cuts and yeah. that's doing really well so I'll keep on with that I just love it like in the morning with yoghurt yeah. and honey you know just mm. oh so good so good so um, things are starting to be available to pick and eat. Well, I am self-sufficient in salads already. Oh, well, there you go. See, I'm well behind that. Uh, that's, that's been a bit of a result, because that's been so lovely. Yeah. Well, it's, it is. It's great, isn't it? You know, yeah. I wish that I could get that vibe going, and hopefully it won't be long. I've got my first row of Tom Thumbs ready to pick. Okay. But what I, what I, what I missed is that ones that got fried. I haven't got that yeah, next yeah, one. Yeah. I'm probably missing that one. Yeah. And then I've got the next lot just coming up. So, um I've got a few things going on. I did some cut and come again, which will shoot up. Yeah. But even my rocket, mate, it's just sat there. Well, I lost my rocket, didn't I? As I said yeah, last time. you I, did to the I removed it flea beetle. Flea beetle. And the, the chickens had that, and they were yeah. very grateful for yeah. it. And I've re-signed that with more. But mine just sat there. Again. And rocket is normally like your go-to, isn't it? If you yeah. want something quick, bang, get it out. I think there's two factors in that. One is those those um, light cover fittings that I've got that I use as mm. road covers to get them going, yeah. which would have warmed the soil significantly, I would suggest. Mum was under poly. Was it? Yeah, it was oh, in wow. one of those... It was in one of those um, covers that I was telling yeah. you about, you know, the yeah. zip-up zip oh, yeah, 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 ones, yeah. plastic yeah. We'll talk about all this in a minute. Just didn't thrive under there. It's just no. too cold, man. Yeah. Just too cold. And, and usually no, Rocket is... And that's probably the second factor, which is that little bit of warmth from being down by the coast. Yeah. Slight, slightly less fluctuation in temperature probably makes just enough difference, I should imagine. Up in the foothills, mate, right? I'm oh, up, in, right. up in the Alps of Burwash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, bless you. Yeah, so it's, it's been a lot about succession, so a lot about potting on. Uh, and it's that kind of year where we're, I'm starting now to think, right, when these things start to come out, what's mm. going in? All right, yeah, okay. okay. These are things I've not even put in yet in many cases, but when they start to come, when the tomatoes finish, what right. can I follow them with? Okay, so uh -huh. that's interesting for some people, but maybe people could start thinking about that now because there's very much, isn't it, I've sown some courgettes, I'll get some courgettes, and then yeah. the courgettes are finished. And if you wait until then to think about it, it's actually too late. You've got, you've got a window from now until about mid to late July, yeah. I would say where you need to be thinking about sowing things yeah. with a view to holding them in pots as long as you can. And then as and when the crops that you've got in come out, you've got plants you've got to, to go, go in. Because yeah. once you get into September, your choices for what you're going to sow diminish quite rapidly. Oh, massively. You know, There are still things you can sow in September, and when September comes around, no doubt we'll talk about that. But but I'm thinking now, you know, I want to get some winter cabbages in. I want you know a bit of 
bit of Savoy or some, mm. some spring cabbage maybe. And you, prep, you can get away with that a bit later, spring cabbage, but yeah. I want to get some of that in. I want to have some of my Cavalier Nero going. Yeah, and, I, and, and you know. there is, even amongst quite established gardeners, isn't there, and vegetable growers, that, that concept that it all happens in the spring and the summer mm. and the autumn and then nothing grows in the winter really yeah. where you know maybe it doesn't grow grow in the winter but it's either growing and then you yeah. leave it there yeah or it's there and then it grows in the spring yes for that bit um and my purpose sprouting from last year has only just come out yeah you know yeah the last the last of them came out the weekend before last you know so maybe we could challenge people to say right brilliant if you're growing something absolutely wonderful but see if you can get two crops out of each space. That would yeah. be pretty amazing, that's, wouldn't that's it? That's what I'm trying to do. And I don't think I'll manage it out of each of every one of my, my beds because I just won't be, able to, I won't be able to keep up with the amount of stuff that I could grow, potentially. Yeah, because yeah, I, I know that for me, chard is the thing that I will grow and I always regret not having enough of it okay. because it's such a surefire winner. Mm. Um, you know, from, versatile, from, from, Yeah, and I like it. I love it. And so having that available from February onwards yeah. is just an amazing thing. And then and then it's just ready to come out when you want to put other things yeah. in. So, you know, I'm going to smash a whole bed of that this year, I reckon. Mate. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, having the plants ready to go in is the big thing. sitting here thinking that I might do the same. That's one you can sow right up until into September, potentially, can't yeah. you? If you want to. And do you um, know what? It doesn't get that battered either. No. It doesn't really. It's not tasty enough for anything else. No, to I don't know. It. <laughs> well, I think that also that when you put it in later, the cabbage whites are gone. Yeah. You know, not that I don't think yeah. they eat that anyway, but no. it just seems to be quite. Sucks snails, really. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. So as long as you can manage that, you're doing really well. And and it, you know, I have I have kept carrots in the ground really late, and obviously parsnips and all of those things. Yeah. But again, I normally grow parsnips every year. I know that you've got some that you're going to transplant yeah. in. I just decided I'm not going to grow them this year. Okay. I normally do a half a bed of them. Yeah. Um, but I just thought I'd rather use the space for something else and get two crops. Yeah. Because obviously parsnips are in the ground for, you know, yeah. God knows how long. Well, well, I've, I've, I've for, solved that problem by not having them in rows. Yeah. Well, I've got them in rows, but yeah. in between other things. Yeah. I've got them in between the cabbages. Cabbages will come out first. I'll probably put something else in yeah. to follow the cabbages. Yeah. And the parsnips will probably still be in when they come out. Mm. You know? Well, I think that when I get up and running at the allotment properly and all the beds are in, then yeah, yeah. The, there'll be some winter space. Yeah. But at the moment, for the cost of what parsnips are yeah, and for yeah. how often we eat them, yeah. I, I'd rather have other things. Yeah, well, so I'm going more than I need, mate, because if they come out as big as they can do, one is going to be more. You than are talking to the, the Jedi of parsnip growing. <laughs> I had that one year where. The size of your leg, weren't they? Wait, they, were, they were massive. In the JCB I might dig one out. I've got a photo somewhere. Have you? Yeah, I have got a photo of one somewhere, and you know, I'm not going to brag, but that was yeah. that was a, and they were good as well. They weren't all too woody either. They were well nice. Yeah. But again, I was bringing them home, and it was like, well, you what know, can do with that. No, I had a cup in half. Yeah. So like half of it was a roast dinner, and then what would you have? Obviously, we made soups and yeah, casseroles yeah. and things like that. But you know, sometimes you wonder for someone like me who is quite basic veg. Yeah. Something green and something orange, mate. And, yeah. and an onion. I'm your man. <laughs> um, so there is that. But that's about where I am with regards to growing. But um, certainly the, what I've been doing, you know, spending the majority of my time on since we spoke last is about 
Um, building on from when we talked about pests, okay, yeah, it's yeah. about protection. Do you want to go straight into that then, do you want to? Uh, I think I'm happy to go on to that because that is yeah. literally, if you had said, what have you mostly been doing? That's yeah. that, all right? Yeah. So yeah. I know we were talking to people about um, pests and different types and what we suffer from. Um, and so having had the opportunity to get some cabbages off you and do yeah. the Oregon sugar pod peas and things like that, um, I've, I've had to think really hard about Bird protection primarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what I wanted to talk to people about um, and about how you can do it and how how you can sort of maybe do it for as reasonably amount as you can and, and try and have something with a bit of longevity as well because, you know, netting is a nightmare to work with, isn't it? That black plastic I think if you netting. Get, there's lots of different types of netting mm. and there are some that are better than others. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've had various ones over the years and perhaps we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, yeah. So... I've I had uh, well let's be honest right I'm a bit of a cheapskate I don't like paying for stuff no, right no, no. <laughs> if I can make it I can make it if I can nick it I'll get that first no, no joking <laughs> no, if I can from the tip if I can get that, something yeah. from a tip or if I can get something out of a skip yeah. or a bit of recycling yeah. you know I can do all of that um, but I do I, you know and I know that there are some people out there who who, who grow vegetables because they really have to mm. and so, so suddenly spend you know well, you could spend a fortune on crop covering and netting. It can yeah. be really expensive, yeah. you know, it can be really expensive. Um, you know, the best, some of the best deals I had were at the end of growing seasons where I've gone into my farm supplier locally yeah. and got row covers. So I use yeah. row covers yeah. and they are wired hoops and then they've got either a mesh or a fleece material yeah. on the top and... You literally just stretch them out, stick the ends of the uh, hoops into the ground, and they are there. And they're very easy to get off and put yeah. back on. Yeah. And that's important if you're weeding and hoeing and yeah. stuff like that. Um, I think it's all very well having permanent structures up, but you know, if the weeds grow up through them, you know, if you have a chicken wire around something, you know, mm. it, it in effect becomes a support for your bindweed and your yeah. brambles. And yeah. so it's about maintaining it and it being easy for you. But I was able to get. A three meter row of say just bog standard black netting bird netting really mm. for about four pound okay and that was because i was buying them out of season so yeah. you know they were obviously getting rid of those and they they seem to be quite standard three meters mm. now my vegetable beds are 1.5 meters wide so i cut them in half okay and that is for my salad crops yeah right because they're quite small i can get two rows in a hoop yeah and I can get six hoops in my front bed. So I've got 12 rows of salad, yeah. 1.5 metre long, which yeah. gives me a lot of succession. Yeah. I could grow them the other way, yeah. but I don't need, uh, you know, I don't need a three metre row of lettuce. They're all going to, you know, I, don't, yeah. I just don't. No. So for me, that actually works quite well. It gets a bit tight sometimes because some of the stuff gets a bit big. But, you know, that I find that quite cost effective mm -hmm. because if you take them down or bunch them up and just put them, just so that they're not in the UV all the time. Yeah. They can like you know I'm into my fourth or fifth year with those, and I you think that's get, quite cost effective. You really. get different ones, can't you? So you talked about bird netting. So that's black netting, probably with a net a mesh size of one by one centimetre, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I've also got um, carrot root fly mesh, yeah. And that is that kind of looks gold. It's well weird that stuff. Oh, okay. uh, my mum got me those. So I didn't buy those. She bought them for me, and they again will cover two ro two rows of carrots. They're three metre long, 
but they are to stop the carrot root fly. Yeah. So they let the light and the water, and you can walk through these yeah. things and everything like that. I haven't cut those in half because they're they're going up. They they're on my allotment, and they are they just stop you getting carrot root fly mm -hmm. if you get it. Yeah. Some pl places don't get carrot root yeah. fly, yeah. but what they certainly do is provide a microclimate for your carrots. Yes. So my carrots grow way better under those than outside. So they're a little bit warmer. They're in just there, it's the wind. the wind. I reckon it's the wind. Okay. And the other good thing about these domes is they don't tend to blow away. No, no they don't. You, you know, you know. Sometimes you have to just make sure that the sides are down, touching the ground. If you're yeah. worried, you can pile a bit of earth up or peg yeah. them out. I try not to put pegs through them because they end up ripping or tearing, and yeah. then you just get into that place. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they seem to be pretty robust and things like that. And those those Envirovesh ones are good. I mean, they've got a limited height, so you know we've grown cabbages under them before, yeah. but they were they were touching the top. Yeah. And so I think for summer cabbages, they're going to work. Yeah. But I've got them on there or something else, which I'll talk about in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for the majority of crops, I think I can justify the outlay. Not all at once, though. No. I wouldn't go out and buy enough to cover all of my vegetable beds. Um, so that's like the Enviro mesh. It is a plastic mesh. Though. Yeah. Um, and yeah then, you can also get kind of like a clear plastic polythene. Yeah. Suppose, yeah, you, yeah. Similar. Like a, like a mini polytunnel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have used those, but obviously the difficulty with those is that you can't water through that. Yeah. So you, every time you're watering, you have to take yeah. it off. So I tend not to use those, funnily enough. Okay. Um, Which is interesting because probably that's exactly what your sweet corn could do. Could do with yeah, corn. yeah, it could go under there. Yeah. But but knowing how big they are, my sweet corn's It'd probably really 18 tall. inches tall. Oh, was it? All right. That's big now. Yeah. It's, yeah. That, uh, it's the only thing that's thrived in that yeah, roasting greenhouse. Yeah, that's mate, really like it, so there's that, and then. Perhaps the one other kind of thing that I would use is mesh, uh, not mesh, um, fleece, yep. horticultural fleece. And that comes in different grades, and that is basically a kind of, again, you can water through it and it mm. emits light through it, mm. but it just provides that extra layer of protection, doesn't yeah. it? And I know that there are certain growers who we both respect, Charles Dowdy being one, yeah. who just lays it on the top. Yeah. Um, and then he uses either, I think most people use, though they recycle their four litre milk bottles, because the corners aren't sharp, so they don't yeah, tear the fleece. So they put the cane in the ground, invert the milk bottle over the top. Oh, no, no, no. It, no. Fill the milk bottle with water. Oh, okay. And use right. it like a brick. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Okay. the edges. Yeah, yeah. Because I've used stones and that, but as yeah. soon as the wind gets up, they snag yeah. and tear, but there's no sharp edges on oh, them. Oh, okay. They're yeah, quite, yeah. quite good, actually. Yeah. No, I'll tell you who it was. It was Harrison, the guy who writes about allotments. Okay. He, he, I got that from him. That's quite a good little yeah, tip, good actually. Tip, yeah. um, so... Uh, fleece again I, I have I think I've got one or two fleece ones mm. but when they go I probably wouldn't replace no. them more and that's just because my primary pest is sparrows yeah they're a nightmare mate yeah. but um, those nets if you get them small enough will also negate cabbage white yes and for me they're probably the well, two at least they will until the cabbages start to touch the sides won't they yeah and so once you've gotten past the wired hoops that you can buy you could look into making them yeah, and there's lots of people on YouTube and that who've done that in there. What, well, what, what those yeah. ones you've used? I've, I've done it with um, it's kind of the, the plastic tubing that they use for water. Yeah. Uh, so in and out of your house, typically. Yeah. So it's, so it's like semi rigid, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite rigid. It's probably I don't know what is it eight mil, ten mil, mm. probably pipe. It's you know twelve mil maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About twelve mil, probably twelve mil pipe, and it, it often comes in sort of bright colours. So bright yeah. blue is one we've had. It's quite solid, 
Um, and so when you kind of, and it comes in big sort of rounds, doesn't it? It's like, it's mm. kind of, um, I don't know how to describe it really. It's, it comes on a spool, mate. It comes on a giant spool, spool doesn't it? Yeah. A giant spool. So when you take it off, of course, it wants to curl. Yeah, yeah. And so then when you cut it into sections that want to curl, mm. they make really big hoops and you can just then force half round down yeah. into the ground. And then you can buy a big, you know, and you can buy a massive sheet of netting of, yeah. and a fleece or of polythene or yeah. all those things we've described. And then you can just lay that over the top, peg it down in yeah. the corners. Yeah. Um, I found with, with some of those, it works better than others. Uh, it's really important that whatever you get, it's big enough to cover the row yeah. and more. Yeah. So that it sort of can be pushed down. Make the, the sides down. Because yeah. um, we've tried to do it with bits of fleece and tried to stitch them together and it never no. works because the wind will blow it apart. Um, and and if, even if you try and like cable tie it together, the wind will, will rip it because it's not it will. No, no. It's that sturdy. No. Uh, and so then you've, you've bought something that's not in use. Um, but it, it's very effective. I think that I think that if you can, it takes a lot of the heartache out of it. If you've grown something for a month and then you get it out and it gets battered in one day or one night, you know, yeah. slug damage or bird damage, and then you you're just playing catch up then all the time, and it 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 can be really disheartening. Um, I also got given they're like mini cloches, yeah, but they they're not they must be nearly two foot high. They're made okay. out of pushed together stuff. They're like you know oh, yeah, plastic yeah. greenhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like small versions of that. Yeah, yeah. And they come with a, they, they're from Wilco's. They yeah. definitely were not expensive. Yeah. And they came with a, a sort of plastic cover that you put over the top, exactly yeah. like a plastic greenhouse. Yeah. Um, but the trouble is, the window of using those is really short. Yeah. And then you take the plastic because they get really hot. Yeah. You take the plastic thing off. And then, and then what do you do with it? Do you just dismantle it and put See, it See, I away? think the window I've used those is over the winter. Yeah. And I've overwintered lettuces in there before. And yeah. they work really well. Yeah. Some lovely lettuces. And I will use that. But what I wanted to do was add another layer to that. Yeah. So I spent the weekend with some salvage net. Yeah. And from here, actually. Stuff yeah. that was, you know, not that in that great shape. Yeah. But I could work through it and find yeah. some pieces. Find bits could be used, yeah. And I've covered that with netting. Yeah. And, uh, and so now what I've got is, I can take... The plastic shroud bit off the top, mm. and, I've, and I've got a netted mm. um, house or whatever, and then and you can just pick them up and move them around, and they don't blow around because obviously the wind goes right through them, and that's what your cabbages are under. Yeah, and I think that they are going to be brilliant because then it's much easier to just store the plastic greenhouse bit. Yeah, I can roll it out and put it in my shed and tuck yep. it anywhere. Yeah, I don't have to. The frames can stay up all year now. I don't yeah. care. I'm just going to leave them out. Leave them out. Yeah. Well, because those cabbages will get mashed by cabbage whites or by birds or whatever. Yeah. Pigeons over winter, mate. It's the bane of my life yeah. for the allotment. So everything's netted all year round out there. Because yeah. yeah, if I leave it out, the pigeons will be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, through Christmas time. You know, so I did that. And then the other thing I did was um, I knew that what really scuppered my Oregon sugar pod again was mm. the sparrows in particular mm. and so I built a walk, little walk-in area it's probably only a metre by a metre yeah. but that's you know enough space for me to grow quite a lot of mm. Oregon sugar pod peas mm. uh, and I can get four rows in there so okay. I went and got my pea sticks yeah. um, to provide growing support for those I'll do some pea sticks mate that's one of my jobs. yeah well someone had just cut a hedge week. down near me yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. like I'm having them thanks that's my job for next week that's yeah. one of them yeah. so I cut my pea sticks which is one of the most enjoyable jobs to do in the garden yeah walk down with a big thing on your shoulder of all know. sort of twiggy branches yeah. and stuff like that I'm a bit woodsman now and yeah, I like yeah, that yeah. Um, so I put them in and I think that I'll get a crop yeah and my son, they are his favourite. Yeah. So that's why I need to get a crop because right. they they don't come indoors. They don't no, ever, no, they no, never no. get to the kitchen. Mate. Cooked, no. Just munches and munches yeah. them. And then and then and then I have previously when they get to the end, I've sometimes 
obviously taken them off and then just doing a new row and just yeah. doing like that. I, I wonder whether you could just cut them and let them die on the peace ticks and then just save some more and they grow over the top. That's what I've done. <laughs> yeah. I did it last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you digging them all yeah. up and trying to extricate them all. I'm like, yeah. nah, nah, let's try this other way. This no, job. no, I, I did it last year. I, I sowed some and they grew and then as they were fading, I sowed some more just on, in the ground underneath. Did you cut the other ones or just no, leave them, left them there? Yeah. left them there. Took them all out at the end of the season. Well, they are they quite are reasonably well. Apparently, you're rich in the soil but they're fixing nitrogen, aren't they? They are. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. Well, no, they, they are, but whether that's what the peas need and yeah. I'll, I'll okay. have to look into that for once well uh, rather than try and get them out and then do two lots yeah. it'll be either just do one good crop and then you know successional sow like I did mm. or get them out and put something else in yeah so, so going back to covers I would heartily espouse the virtues of if you're going to buy net yeah buy the best quality net you can afford okay and I have messed around with different nets over yeah. the years and what will happen with net unless you're really good at weeding around the edges of the beds and around the edges of where the nets grow yeah. is that things will grow through them and then when you try to move it it rips yeah. and then once it's ripped and it's got a hole in it it's no longer doing the job yeah. it's supposed to do and when you think about the fact that you've, you've spent all this money on, on plastic netting which is what it is it's made of, yeah, yeah and that's plastic. not good for the environment it's not great for the environment the ecological footprint yeah and, and it also is not great for your pockets it's a no. bit of a false economy yeah and that's why that, that net you're talking about is you know is available and I've got some of that net you can have some of that well I think um, that I think that if I can get it onto those frames yep which I will never I can just pick them up yep I think that is the only way I will yep. do it I made my Oregon sugar pod thing, and that is not movable. Yeah. I could have probably made it movable, but it yeah. would have been a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but like, I've got this just big wadge of it now, yeah. and I'll always have a bit more because I think I'm going to try and get, even if I buy two of those little houses every year, yeah. and then I'll just do the same thing. I'll, you know, I'll cover it, mm. and 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 I could have done that with the greenhouse agavia. Yeah. You know, you could yeah. have probably taken the top layer off that and made a hot because you can it's so light you could actually pick it up yeah. you know um, yeah. I think for at home that will be a really viable option you know because they're the exact width of my bed yeah and I, and I think if, if you're going to do it and you've got a frame it's probably not a bad not bad way of doing it I have to say that if you can afford the I think they call it soft butterfly netting and I buy all mine from a website called gardeningnaturally.co.uk.com maybe I think it's gardening-naturally mm. Um, and I buy from there typically because it seems to be like reasonably good value. Yeah. Um, and they've got lots of different ideas and things on there, so you can go and sort of pick their brains if you like. But I bought a massive roll of it this year. How much does that set you back, bro? Just over 100 quid. Yeah. But I bought, it's it's actually 50 metres by 4 metres width. No, oh, that's pretty big. Which is, I could net the whole allotment with that. Mm. Um, so I've started netting the whole allotment. So yeah. Just in bits, you know. Yeah. And using those posts that you cut for me. And yes. I'll, I'll put some pictures up on the Facebook group again. So if, yeah. you know, if you're interested in seeing what I've done there, have a look. Um, but the idea is then I've got walk-in fruit cages over yeah. the vast majority of my crops. And then I've found ways to kind of make, um, kind of lift up flaps. With yeah. Um, and because I've used a good quality net, there's less risk of it ripping. Yeah, and, and, and once that, I've kind of got around that problem. Yeah. It should last me a good long time, so I'm looking at an investment of that amount. Yeah, of money, but and that's fair enough. I might still it? be using it in ten years' time. And, and then you've got no. If you couldn't afford to pay out at the beginning, yeah, and you want to try and protect some crops, yeah, you know, I have used many a plastic bottle cutting off, yeah, to make a little mini greenhouse yeah. for individual lettuces, yeah, 
three litre bottle or one of those yeah. big water butt bottles or whatever yeah. and and you might have to catch them or beg steal or borrow or just save up ones you've used yeah. and then they don't look great they don't look pretty and they blow around a bit and yeah. you might have to put a stick down the middle and yeah. then whatever and yeah. you know but it can be done the other thing that i did come across once was um it was a it was a a piece of kind of netting that was used to put around the side of a building site mm. Um, so it was, it would stop your birds and your butterflies. Um, I was lucky to get a white one. Yeah. Sometimes they're green. Yeah. Um, and my allotments actually got it all the way around. Yeah. Where I, I have am. to say actually, and that's a really good point because I went we had the extension done. Yeah. The builders were using this kind of polythene when they right. once they'd done the roof, but before they put all the windows in. Oh yeah, yeah. And they put polythene over the over the window opening so they could right. work inside. Oh, that's good. And this, it's kind of reinforced with fibres through it. So it's got like cotton running through it. Yeah, like my greenhouse was made. Yeah, 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 it's very similar to that. Um, but they use that quite often for scaffolding. That's right. And and often, once they've done the job, it goes in the skip. So yeah. if you're, you know, somebody around you is having an extension done, towards the end of the job, have a look, yeah. ask if you can take it out of the skip. And I've used that very successfully to protect yeah. my tomatoes outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. And it's back in the, a bit of a windbreak. Yeah, yeah, back in the day, it was net curtains, but people don't have net curtains no more. So, you know, no. really, do they? So, no. you know, and it's, I reckon if you went to buy net curtains, probably more than butterfly netting, yeah, didn't they? Honestly, so, yeah, yeah. so, without a shadow of a doubt. But there are options out there for people to protect their crops, even if you can't go out and you're not in a position to spend it on new netting. Yeah. Um, you know, try and and get what you can with regards to. Um, something which just will keep those pests off um, and, and has got a certain robustness to it. Well, you, you can go for the physical barrier, but the other thing that, you know, I see a lot of is obviously very old-fashioned having a, a scarecrow up. Yeah. But, but using old CDs, tied to a bit of strings that yeah. blow around in the wind yeah. and, and sort of create flashes of light and stuff like that. Works yeah, and I, well. I've heard that they work okay. Um, and the other thing to say is that Having a proper permaculture way of looking at it right. makes a huge difference. Okay. So you, you could go for like, I'm gonna I'm not gonna sow row of cabbages. I could probably get away with sowing cabbages in my ornamental border in my garden. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them, you know, some of them look really nice. You know, yeah. Particularly some of the red leaf ones would look really nice in yeah. some of my flowers, yeah. yeah. Um and that confuses the birds because they can't they can't see them, they don't stand yeah. out so well, yeah? Yeah. And so doing it that way, you know, if you haven't got the facility to cover them, hide them in place. Well, the pigeons recognise lines. I think pigeons like nice straight lines. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, Would pigeons yeah. recognise straight they lines? They are not the smartest of creatures, are they? Let's be honest. So I reckon you get away with it. I've certainly done similar with, with some things in the past where you just sort of hide them in amongst stuff. And it does yeah. work reasonably well, it's got to yeah. be said. I think you're um, right. So that, that's another way of getting around the problem. And maybe, maybe also, if you can afford one or two things, you know, there are certain plants out there, out there which don't tend to get as hit as hard. So... <laughs> You know, for those things which are tender and more susceptible to pest bird damage, like my Oregon sugar, there's no point in me growing peas no. if I don't net them. No. You know, and I can watch other people and they've got like great big peas all coming out of their garden. Yeah. I was like, what are, where, the, where the sparrows at there? You know? Whereas I might be able to grow some things which don't get damaged at all. Yeah. And so it's just about working with your space and your allotment or your front garden or your flower pots even I'll tell you what I bet what. you with a roll of twine and mm. half dozen canes I yeah. can make a really effective yeah. pigeon barrier yeah yeah, absolutely you. or even you. even pea sticks you know yeah. you can surround it with yeah. that and um, you know there's much research saying that even something which is made of thin sticks laid on the ground provides a really a little change in your microclimate on yeah. ground level yeah. with regards to frost and temperature yeah. and you just literally lay them on yeah. you know like 
twiggy sticks or yeah. you could get you know dead bramble where you've got yeah. a bit of protection and you know that would work wouldn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen that done as well but just do what you can yeah. you know um, you could grow in you could if you're handy with a pallet and um, you can get some cold frames on the go that's yeah. another way of protecting your crops yeah. isn't it yeah. and, and you can grow under glass like well, that speaking of that all I remember, mm. I've got some, uh, I don't know if I said to you, that double UPVC they use for conservatory mm. roots. Yeah. Some massive sheets of that for you. Oh, that'd be great. For your, talking about making a proper green house. Oh, I'd love that, because that's yeah. superb. Yeah, that's yeah, my, great. my folks have had uh, conservatory done. Oh, I'd love that, it, mate. So, that'd be uh, fantastic. Send that your way, and you yeah. can see, well, I'd like to see what you can knock up out of that. Make a nice wooden frame well, for I've it. Made, right? I've made a nice quail house already out of one big massive yeah. sheet, so. Yeah. If that... <sighs> No, I'm not going to say that. That'd be bad. I said if the quail did make it, that'd be well easy. <laughs> that'd be well easy to turn into a greenhouse. The wooden frames there and everything, mate. <laughs> right, we better move on because we want to do another section, didn't we? So yeah. um, we'll leave it there. We'll be back in a second. And we're back. So episode twenty, part two, and. Uh, we actually had a request for something we wanted to talk about, and, and the question went along the lines of, you always talk about making alcoholic drinks. What about for Yeah, and what? What? <laughs> <laughs> what about for those of us that don't drink alcohol? Uh, and is there anything that we can be doing to, uh, to make drinks, you know, from, from stuff we've grown in the garden or from forage stuff that we can get around the place? And it's actually a really good time to be asking that question, so I thought we might spend a little bit of time just talking about that today. Um, obviously, we like to talk about alcoholic drinks because that's what we like to make and drink, but I do make a lot of... Non-alcoholic ones. You do. Or, or significantly very, very low alcoholic ones, probably. You do. Yeah. <laughs> you must do as well, surely, right? You must make like... Uh, not really, no, but... don't I can, give me that. I can talk about <laughs> apple juice before it becomes cider. That's about it. <laughs> well, go on then. Have we uh, go on. Give us some of To that. be fair, that would that is probably my favourite non-alcoholic drink to make. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, actually. Yeah. Freshly pressed juice. Yeah. And... You know, apple juice. If you've never had apple juice off a press, yeah. it is like the most amazing drink, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And uh, it's like that honey thing coming off the. You know, when you, you know, when you when you do the honey and you get it straight off the press or the or the extractor, it's the same, man. It's the same. You know, if you if you go for if you go for fresh juice, just pressed out, man. It mm. is just an absolute thing of beauty, mm. and. Um, you can make it out of any apples you like. That's the other thing. And yeah. I know that we turn a lot of ours into cider. Yeah. But I do that with my kids. You know, it's yeah, another yeah. thing to get them really well involved is that you can you can take um, something which is in, let's be honest, I reckon if you look hard enough, anywhere in the country you can get apples for free. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. I know there are websites set up to it, you know, fruit goes to waste and all that. Well, there's at least two places that over the years yeah. have had windfall apples for free. But even if you yourself. yeah, even if you lived in the middle of a city, the amount yeah. of people who have got apples in their yeah. gardens or yeah, whatever yeah. and yeah. you can definitely get apples for free. Yeah. Um, and if not, then be looking to pay for, you know, ones that are slightly bruised and gone over. They're perfect for juicing anyway. Yeah. So the cost, the cost of setting yourself up with a press is a lot. Yeah, it's not as or much you as can, you might think. No, though. not anymore. Come right down. Right. I've seen them on Facebook Marketplace loads. Yeah, you can make one. Yeah, it's not easy. No, but you can make one with a car jack and some two yeah. before and some neck curtain. Or, yeah. Oh no, people don't have neck curtains. No, don't have neck curtains. Uh, a bit of cheesecloth or muslin. Yeah, and you get a great return off it. A really good return off it. So that is probably the first one that I would talk about most. Mm. 
that would probably be the one where you know the the drink that I would would I would really advocate people to try and do. I think for me, it's this this time of year. It's kind of coming into summer. It's warm today for the first time. Mm. Probably this year we had a warm day back in March, but this yeah. is like proper first, you know, yeah. like spring warm spring day. And so, just something as simple as a flavour water. Yeah. You know, and there's so many different ways you can do that. You get jug of water, mm. chuck a load of ice in it, and then what do you want to put in it? Yeah. You know, and that might be a few slices of lemon. It might be some herbs. You know, a bit of borage and cucumber, bro. Oh, yeah. Old yeah. pims, non alcoholic <laughs> pims, bro. Well, yeah. actually, pims has got. The alcoholic version mm. is definitely made with an apple-based product. Mm. So you could go with your apple juice and yeah. then your borage and cucumber and mm. ice and lemon all in there. That yeah. could be well nice, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So just going back maybe six weeks, yeah. though, you would the other one that I would go for would be your saps. Yeah. So your birch sap and yeah. again a very strange product, birch yeah. sap. Uh, you know, tapping birch trees, which we didn't get round to this year. What uh, with one thing and another, uh, but tapping birch trees. Produces quite a lot of drinkable mm. fluid, very good for you, and it's got its own flavour and its own subtlety. And obviously, yeah. you can do lots of different things with it, but certainly, many cultures, it's just drinking the sap, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Whatsoever. If you've got um, a decent sized birch tree in your garden, when the sap starts to rise, you can tap that no problem at all. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and in fact, I know the person that asked the question. It's yeah. got exactly that. Oh, right, well, there you are. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, the, if you've got a birch tree, about, obviously yeah. birch trees you tap at a certain point of the year. Yeah. It, you, you, you wouldn't be able to do it now. I think it's too late, but certainly you could. And this is something, you know, going on from Alan's flavoured waters. Those flavoured waters don't have to be cold. You could, you, you know, teas are an amazing thing. And mm. I drink uh, nettle tea a yeah. lot. Um, and you can make birch leaf tea you can yeah. make raspberry leaf tea you can make goose grass cleaver tea which is an amazing thing Alan's fiddling around in a cup here yeah and he was in a bag don't we I've got a little tea bag mate. yeah look that's tea flash. bags herbs mint tea chamomile yeah, mint, mint, mint tea, tea chamomile tea there are so many out there and I would also say they are so good for you you know yeah. I know that nettle tea in particular which I really like the taste yeah. of I'm yeah. not a great lover of mint tea I don't like the taste, to be honest with you. No. And I'm not a big lover of chamomile tea. Mm. Not big, but I like spruce tea, mm. you know, yeah. needle tea. You have to I know your species. Not to, like, the, the ones you can buy in the shops, for me, they, they kind of smell of something. They don't necessarily taste of it. Yeah. I would encourage you, like, I've, I've dried all my mint from last year. We talked last year about my mint's going over. Yeah. I'm going to cut it and dry it, and I'm using it now. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'll put it in little tea bags because that's what's convenient. But I've, little tea bags, and then I can either put that in with hot water or with cold water in it, either, mm. and it works really well. It just gives a little subtle flavour to the water, and like you say, really, really good for you. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, and I mean, you can mix and match as well. You can do a, a, a you know, a mint and nettle tea or whatever. Yeah. I think, I think um, for me, and I drink black tea as well. Nettle tea is the one that most tastes a bit like tea. Okay, right. It's got yeah. a good flavour. It's yeah. not watery. Yeah, it's got a good strong flavour. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do it. I'll tell you how to do it because it's like is the easiest really thing. It sounds it's really, really difficult. Now, is it? Is it? What you have to do it's is find witchcraft. you have to find some sticking nettles which have not got dogwee on them for a starter. Oh. So, um, and so you're looking. Dogwee, yeah, you know? no, yeah, I would go for that. <laughs> find a good patch of nettles gives you a good excuse to have some in your garden. Yeah, and I would take off the top four leaves, okay. and you want to get them when they are kind of young and green and verdant. If you let so them now. go, oh yeah, perfect time. Yeah. If you let them, if they're too late in the season, especially if they've got flower tassels on them, 
they can go a bit gritty at the top because oh. I think there's a development of silica yeah. inside of the leaves. Oh, just take the top four leaves off, put them in a cup, pour the boiling water on it. If you're like me and you are well posh, put the saucer on top of the teacup. <laughs> if you're having it in a mug, I don't know, put something on the top and let it just sit there for five minutes yeah. and then drink it. Drink it with your little pinky out. If, yeah. Well, I'm not, whatever. Um, <laughs> but if you want to eat the leaves, you can do yeah. that because the, the sting will have been well and truly dealt with by the boiling water. Yeah. Um, if you look at you, I mean, you can wash them first if you're that bothered. Yeah. I don't tend to. If you look in the bottom of the cup and there's a, you know, maybe some little insects or whatever, and you don't want to drink that, then just pour them off and they'll stay in the yeah. bottom with the lees. Uh, but yeah, you can wash them in water first before you do it. Yeah. And it's that easy and that available. Mm. And how many people have never had it? And I, and I, yeah, and I reckon that if you've got a patch of stingers in your garden and you did that now. And then in a couple of weeks' time, once because they'll presumably they'll side shoot, will they? Stinging it off. They, they, no, what actually they would they would side they won't side shoot off a stem. No, oh, okay, no. no okay. But what happens is around June, yeah. there's another flush. They say you cut them back and you get some more. There's yeah. another flush of nettles. Yeah, they you can cut them back and they'll keep growing. Yeah, but there's also seems to be like. I don't know. They might, maybe they reproduce in different ways, and some come up from runners and cut. Some come yeah. up from seed. I don't know. So that's just me thinking on feet. You, so you don't just have it now. You cut them down, and you get some more growth. Yeah, through. without down, shadow of doubt. Without so shadow of sure doubt. Keep a good supply coming. And can you dry those and use it? Yeah, the you can dry those, and yeah. I've done that um, really successfully. Um, had them all laid out in the in the caravan of dreams, yeah. and they will dry really successfully. And they make nice just, from uh, that, do they? Yeah, they, they're all right. I don't, yeah. they, you know, they don't go musty or anything like that. They'll last certainly through the winter. And yeah. let's be honest, you don't need that many. You no. need you could walk around and collect that that many, you know, for you to use through the winter, probably in about twenty minutes, yeah. you know, and put them in a bag, then dry them out. Mm. But there are lots of other leaf teas which you can drink. I know that certainly some of them are, have got some quite strong effects and mm. you know you do need to be careful if you're gathering certain leaves especially yeah. if you're foraging yeah. some have different effects on the body I know that some you can drink you know for instance you, you're not supposed to have some when you're pregnant yeah. things like that um, so just check those out I've got a couple of books on the subject uh-huh. um, about you know using herbal teas mm. and stuff like that but any good herbal or you know, yeah. bit of information. There's so much information yeah. on the internet nowadays. I would, I would look at that eatweeds.co.uk. Yeah. That's got everything on it that you yeah. could ever want to know. But maybe find, maybe find a different, you know, tea to to um, to try over the next couple of weeks, and then share that on our Facebook or something like that. I'll put a picture of me having my nettle tea on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I have it with a spoon of honey in it, you know, yeah, from the yeah. own bees and maybe a bit of lemon, but more often than not. Just as it is, yeah. yeah. And if you're really particular, you can even get a cafetiere. Yeah. I think your mum gave me one ages ago. Yeah. And uh, I'll just stuff the nettle leaves in that sometimes yeah. and then I'll just wait, yeah. put the plunger we, down and go a, through. We've got a, a teapot that's got like a plunger in the middle that's it. we use for that, things like that, yeah. So herb teas yeah. are, and the, uh, again, I reckon you could do that for free. I don't think you have to go out and buy no. loads of plants no. or apples or whatever. No. No. I think that you could that would be a good step into foraging. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Get your uh, uh, species identification right, obviously, yeah. to make sure you're not making some deadly concoction. Yeah. But um, yeah. I think most people would be pretty safe with a stinging nettle. I think, oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Easy to test that one, right? Yeah. But talking of foraging, it, I, I saw my first elderflowers this week. Oh, okay. So, so that leads nicely on to the next really um, does, kind yeah. of... Drinks, and, and I think when you're talking about non-alcoholic drinks, you've got to think about preservation because when you're doing 
when you're doing like teas and flavoured waters, you're going to go and pick things fresh. Yeah. Um, but there are other times when actually what you wouldn't want to do is make a nice batch of something up. Yeah. And then you want to want to leave it. And there's various different ways of preserving it. Typically, when you're talking about drinks, you're preserving using sugar, or poss possibly you're preserving using fermentation, or possibly in some of the cases I'm preserving using vinegar and sugar. Mm. Um, and sometimes when you do them, you might use other products like I've often use citric acid, which I think acts as a preservative in some of the drinks mm. just to keep them to last a bit longer. Um, but none of these are going to last ages, no. I would say. You know, you're going to want to refrigerate them. Um, you're certainly not going to be wanting to keep them on the shelf in the warmth for the summertime because um, you're going to risk them going off if you've not, you know. If you're not going through some very strict, strict sterilisation yeah. procedures yeah, and things absolutely. like that. Um, but so the first one then, it talk about sort of sterile, uh, working and preserving with sugar, elderflower cordial. Yeah. Which I know you've made a lot of. I made some last year. So I've made elderflower cordial oh. and it has been very, very good. And it's very easy to make. Yeah. I think that what you have to bear in mind is that some elderflowers taste great, some don't. Mm. And I don't know how, I don't know what affects that. Whether it's time in the season or what they're it's, growing in. Exactly, that's the time in the season. Right. So what tends to happen as they get older, yeah. they start to smell a bit dogweedy. Yeah. And at that point, they're not so nice. No. So you need to get um, them so you fresh. need to try and get the flowers you know, early in the season when they're still really nice and bright and white before they start to yellow a bit. I think that's probably the main tip on that one. Okay. Yeah. And they are, I mean, it's not hard to find a decent recipe for elderflower cordial. And again, um, you know, that will keep maybe up to a week in your fridge before it starts to ferment, let's mm. be honest. Yeah. Um, but it's such a good drink, you know, and kids love it as well. And you can make it as sweet or as um, tart as you like, you know, your balance, you can balance your acids and your sugars to make it as nice as you can. Um, but again, it's such a, I think there's a lot of health property in those things, you know. I, I, I'm gonna make a big batch this year and I'm gonna look at trying to find ways to preserve it for longer. Because I did manage well, to Well, I was just thinking about that myself and I wonder whether you could, you could infuse some honey with elderflowers. Mm. So like pour honey over elderflowers yeah. in the jar yeah. and then just use a jar of honey. Because one thing I do do is use my jam to make hot drinks. Okay, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. another way of making yeah, yeah. hot drinks of produce, yeah. isn't it? So, you know, good you know, hedgerow jam made of yeah. elderberries and blackberries. Yeah. Big spoon of that with hot water poured on it. Yeah. Oh, that's the real deal, that, isn't it? <laughs> that's lovely, that is. Uh, <laughs> and if, you, if you're going to go down the sugar syrup route, you know, there's lots of different ways you can do it. So I was thinking like, get a watermelon yeah. and then get one of those stick blenders and blend it up yeah. really well with a load of like lime juice and mint yeah. and sugar syrup. And then you've got kind of almost like a mojito kind of vibe yeah. going on, something like that. A mocktail. Yeah, little mocktails like that. Yeah. And I've made some lovely ones like that. Kids like doing that too. Yeah, the kids really enjoy it. And you can do that pretty much with any fruit actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously the sweeter the fruit is, the less sugar you need mm -hmm. to be putting in there. Um, so that works really well. Obviously that's a short term, that's a drink, make it and drink it on the same day kind mm -hmm. of set up or within mm -hmm. a couple of days. Um, but there's so many different sort of ideas you can do with that. Again, using fruit and you know, it won't be long until the strawberries start to come ready. We'll be looking at using some strawberries in that way as well. No, no, it's amazing. So, I mean, with regards to other fruits going forward, I know you grow grapes mm -hmm. and obviously you ferment them, but, yeah. but there must be an opportunity to drink the unfermented grape juice, I, I, you know, I, lovely. Just take, just take the, um, the, the the press that we yeah yeah and then so you put them in a muslin bag through the press squeeze it out that way yeah and get, I bet the well, kids are like that wouldn't they yeah, that probably needs some sweetening grapes yeah. in this country I would suggest yeah, yeah. but certainly could be done um, so simple things like fruit juices and actual proper yeah. fresh fruit juices works really well and that could be something that if you really got into it you could grow for that you know you could grow 
um, you know, an English variety of grape primarily for that. You know, mm. you don't have to turn it into wine. No, no. I, would su- I would suggest that trying to grow enough oranges to make orange juice, in my setup, it would, I would be a nightmare. Yeah, if I had a 40-foot greenhouse... Maybe. Uh, then maybe I could have yeah. a go at it, but, uh, but but you know, the, the grow your own places will be open soon. Summer berries will not be not, not be too very far away. Yeah, and you certainly make perfectly good drinks out of those. I wonder if I can make something out of my rhubarb. Oh yeah, now I'm thinking of like a sort of a rhubarby rhubarb juice. Yeah. I'm not sure. No, no, with plenty of sugar in the honey, in it, mate, and then yeah, yeah I'm like, leave that with me. Oh, <laughs> um, so then the other one in terms of preserving and trying to keep things things that will keep a bit longer. Um, you do require some better pre- preservation methods, don't yeah. you? So, one of the ones that I use quite a lot of is fermentation, yeah. as you know, and fermentation to make alcoholic drinks, but also fermentation to make non-alcoholic drinks. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the primary dif- primary difference in that is that you're drinking uh, a fermented drink takes a lot longer mm. to be ready to, to yeah, be drinking. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Uh, whereas a, an un- a, a sort of a, an alcoholic drink, sorry, takes longer. The non-alcoholic ones can be ready in as little as a few days. Yeah. Um, and I use two different primary methods for that. One is the ginger bug, mm-hmm. um, which for people that don't know is uh, you need some organic ginger. And you grate that up with some sugar and you put it in some uh, filtered water or some you know like bottled water. And that will, over time, if you keep that covered, keep the bugs out, but let the air out, um, that will start to ferment. And I keep one of those in my kitchen, feed it with sugar and a bit of extra ginger every few days. Uh, and then from that, you can like whisk that up and then use that as a starter mm. to make a... Um, to make a nice fizzy drink. So what that will do is I'll get a big jug, I'll take a, a, a bit of the, the, uh, the gingery liquid out of this jar that I've got it in, filter that because it's got bits of ginger in it, and that goes into a jug with some sugar syrup, with some juice, with some, I, I, some of my favorite ones have been like lemon, lemon juice and orange juice. You don't nice. need loads of it in that scenario. Nice. And then you're gonna put that into a, a bottle that's not gonna explode, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, because that's gonna ferment in there. Uh, and the fermentation is what's going to cause it to fizz. Mm. Uh, and then once, it, once you know that it's a bit fizzy, you can put it in the fridge uh, and then get it nice and cold. And that is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, so that's definitely worth saying. People trying that out, yeah. isn't it? I mean, without a shadow of a doubt. And, that, and that's such a simple one to do. And if you, if you Google a ginger bug, you'll get some recipes up for that. Um, and there's so many different things you can do with that. Like I say, I tend to keep that quite simple. I really like the gingery flavour. Yeah, yeah. So having a, having a really gingery one works well. But actually, if you don't want to make that the star of the show, it won't you can, notice. No, you it, can it make it slightly less. and yeah, let it disappear into the background. And obviously, yeah. ginger's really good for you. Okay? Yeah. Um, and then the other one is kombucha. You ever tried kombucha? No, I've not. I'm going to have to bring a bottle of You are, mate. Yeah. I'm not a big kombucha man normally. Oh, I am, so I'm starting to get the hang of it slowly now. It's been a little while of doing this and... Some failures, to be truthful. Um, but, you know, it's what it is, isn't it? You, you kind of get something, you think, oh, I don't like that one very much. And we had one last weekend, we're like, oh, my goodness me, that's going down the train. <laughs> that was, oh, is that bad? That was that bad, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure kombucha's going to be me. Oh, I don't know, but it's really good. Again, no, really have good health-giving properties, lots of probiotics and that in there. Uh, and that is just fermented tea. Yeah, I, yeah? yeah I'm not sure, again... <laughs> I'm not sure it's my thing, mate. I have uh, to say, I'll try you, anything once. Yeah, well, I have to say when you look at it, especially when you look at it as the the kombucha starter and the mother in the or scoby as they call it in the jar, you're like, yeah, scoby do. We've what, had that. Yeah, we? yeah, yeah. What you mean you want to drink that? Yeah, I'm you not know. Sure. And then the bottom line is, you know, it's not that appealing to look at. But in fact, once you've fermented it out with some nice fruity flavours, everyone's a winner. It can make a really nice drink. Fair yeah, enough. Really mate. nice drink. That's Fair enough. And that, that will keep because of course it's fermented again. Yeah, so you've got rid of all yeah. of um, the opportunity yeah. for any sort of spoiling bacteria and organism yeah. to grow. So yeah. 
Definitely. No, well, good. we've we've done a few there, haven't we? And I just got one last one. Go on, man. She's an oxymel. Oh mate, now I have had that, and that's fermented, and that is vinegary. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. But that was nice. So, I so that. I've done it with with black currants. I've done it with black berries, and really all that is is you soak the fruits in vinegar for a fair amount of time, actually. And mm. You really want to get that fruity flavour out of the fruit and into the vinegar, and it work like I don't know what they are. Um, tannins and I suppose there's antioxidants in there and all those kind of good. There's a lot of good there. stuff in there, mate. A lot of good stuff in those berries. So you might crush them up a little bit, uh, get the, the vinegar soaked in it, and then you're going to strain that off. And then all I do then is very gently heat enough honey in there to get it to to dissolve into <coughs> it to balance the flavour. Yeah. And that will keep four months. Yeah, that was good. You gave me some of that, and yeah. I did enjoy it. I had that certainly through the winter. I found yeah. that quite restorative, and that was a really nice thing to have in. in no, in the old cold months, mate. Yeah, well, that's the, well, the winter time drink, and it's also a really good one for, for keeping the winter bugs away and you know, colds and flu and all that because of all the goodness that's in there. If you use your own you know, apple cider vinegar and you use your own grown honey and everything else, you know. <sighs> Talking is, real deal there now. Well, that is proper, like, you know, it's probably self sufficient at that point, isn't it? So I think that's probably, uh, probably one to try. It's perhaps a little bit more advanced than some of the others, but definitely one to have a go at. And for the Absolutely, and then obviously fire cider, which is a very similar idea. Yeah, of steeping yeah. stuff in vinegar and, and sweetening it to oh. taste. Yeah, I really like that. Though. Yeah, so you got your summertime drinks, your wintertime drinks, and the other one that I've not mentioned there, which uses your sugar syrup, is elderberry um, syrup or cordial. Yeah, well, you can make cordials out of so many things, yeah. can't you? Yeah. And, and the sterilisation procedure for your bottles, if you want to use it, you can get them to have quite a decent shelf life, can't you? Well, I managed to get the elderberry stuff that I made to keep. Long enough that I drank it all. Yeah, <laughs> ran yeah, out. That's pretty good. Which was, I think, in like early March, yeah. late February, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and I made it in probably August. Yeah. So and, and again, you know, next to nothing. It cost me. It cost me a bag of sugar. Probably. Yeah, it's bad. Isn't it? You know. So, yeah. And 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 you know what's in it, mate. Which is a big thing. Yeah. You know. You know what's in it. Yeah. We're just watching a robin here out the front. Oh, and he's I having a little nose through. Yeah. And uh, today I've not seen any bunnies as we're recording, mate. Right. But I have seen. And they're sitting up there looking at me now, about 20 big fat wood pigeons looking at mm. them up there. They're well, the ones, mate. They're the, they're the crop hooverers. I'm a bit disappointed, mate. What's that? Well, because we're sitting here, we've got one of our swarm boxes just out the window. Yeah, and, nothing. And, and I was rather hoping that with the sun shining that we might just sit and watch a swarm. Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping the next couple of days as the temperature be, you know, really starts to you know, tick up, we might start to see a bit more action on the beekeeping front. Mm. In a way, it's been okay, though, because it has been so cold that... You know, the season really has been a bit on hold. Yeah. You know, um, but I know now getting around and maybe doing some splits and getting things sorted for us. We need to get on it. I'm going to try and do some tomorrow afternoon. I think. Okay, and then we've got a week next week where I'll get round and maybe have a look at the state of some of the hives up in the woods and see what we could do with those because I think we do want to make a bit of increase, don't we? We've got swarm boxes out, yeah. but maybe that might be something we could talk about next time and yeah. about beekeeping and rooting we'll be into it by then I have to say like you said the, the swarm the season has been kind of delayed by this cold weather um, fortunately the, the two colonies that I look after at the apiary have come through winter by looks about did stop in and have a look on them the other yeah, day they look good and I'll do the same um, with the others they look really busy at the entrance which is a good sign so hopefully next time we can talk a little bit about that well it'd be nice to give you know, talk about roots into beekeeping because I yeah. think it's this dark, mysterious subject where it ain't really, you know. <laughs> and so let's give people some help and ideas about getting started and then certainly, you know, opportunities. 
you know, where yeah. to look and, yeah. and what you need yeah. and what you really need. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to just all the stuff they sell you. Yeah. It's time now. Yeah. Okay, well, Whatever. thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. No uh, as I always say, if you're not already in our Facebook group, come and get yourselves in there. Make uh, yourself known as well. Make yourself don't, known. Don't be passive. Yeah. Ask questions, post stuff. We want to see what you're growing. It's been lovely to see people talking about, you know, quail and um, EDCs and vegetables and spaces and wildlife yeah. in their gardens. We had some amazing, is that picture of um, foxes and like yeah. deer in gardens and all that it was yeah. amazing to yeah. see all that stuff yeah a big thank you to Mark for the question on the, on the drinks today I really appreciate that mate thank you uh, and if you've got any questions please again reach out and ask us you know we're very happy to, to take on topics that people want to hear about we, there's no point in us talking about things that people don't want to listen to um, so you might as well tell us what you want to hear us you know hear our ideas we've got and tell us what those things are please so you know, get in there and do that uh, and tell your friends about us uh, anyway we will be back in a couple of weeks time and boom in the meantime, get out in your garden and get some stuff in the ground because it is the time of year to be doing it. Yeah, it's man. brilliant now the weather's warming up. All right, take care, everyone. Cheers. Bye-bye.